welcome to the Rock Music Alliance interview sessions. I am your host, Cole Coleman. On today's episode, you know him as the original keyboard player for the legendary progressive rock band, Yes. When we come back, I'll be speaking with Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, Tony Kaye. Attention guitar players, join the Thimble Slide revolution and free your slide finger. With its patented shape, you can slide and fret while wearing the Thimble Slide. Visit thimbleslide.com. That's thimbleslide.com. I've seen all good people turn their heads each day so satisfied I'm on my way. sampling of early yes with Tony K on the keyboards, especially the Hammond organ, as we head into our conversation with Tony K. Tony, what's happening with you right now? Any projects or things you've been working on? Uh, actually, a project that I've been working on for a long time that's going to be uh, uh, released, uh, an album that's going to be released next year, um, really to... Uh, Commemorate the, uh, the the twenty years of um, of when the, the towers fell, uh-huh. and um, yeah, it's called End of Innocence, and uh, it's a orchestral rock, you know, uh, a mixture of, of, of different things, um, mostly instrumental, and uh, although Danny, who you know well. It has uh, recorded a song. She sings a song on the album, and um, basically, it's a it's it's a musical uh, progression through th- that day. And, um, and my interpretation on more of an orchestral level. That's terrific. You should uh, definitely update us on that. I'm happy to you know, put a link out there on the website so people can check it out. I will. We've got um, uh, we've got a, a year and a bit before it, it comes out, so uh, so there's time, mm-hmm. and it's something I've been working on since since it happened. Um, strangely enough, I, I hadn't been uh, playing at all. Um, you know, music had been sort of left behind, and doing other things and. 
all my equipment was in the in the garage, and it actually the day after prompted me to uh, set it up and and start recording again. So it was uh, it was a a, a great prod to uh, to to start something new, and it's been going on uh, on and off for all this for twenty years. Wow, it's uh, definitely. Definitely uh, a a long, long scope project. It's a big project, definitely from the sounds of it. And well, it, big in terms of um, it, it. It took a long time to uh, to, to to record. Um, in fact, uh, right at the beginning, I I didn't even have a digital performer. Um, I, I I was recording on a, um, an eight track. Uh, cassette player oh wow yeah so um a lot of that stuff or the the origins of uh of the first recordings were later transferred to a digital performer and you know gradually uh you know gradually built up from there well it'll be very interesting to check out and yeah, that's for sure hey, what uh, what current uh, rig are you using with that your your, your keyboard rig um, actually, basically the, uh, the the same rig that um, that I put together for Circa when Billy and I got together and we we put Circa together. Um, uh, although I, I think I, I, originally I was using a real Hammond uh, back then, but of course no more. Mm-hmm. And so that is uh, that's the rig that I have now, which is basically Roland. Um, Phantoms and um, and and a, a Roland Hammond. Mm-hmm. So Roland Hammond. Uh, that's it, how does that sound and feel compared to the real thing? Well, it's nothing like the real thing, and oh. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, um, although I, I was using a, um, um, a, I think it was called a B. B3. It was um, on on my computer, and um, when we did uh, the, the Yoso project, which was sort mm-hmm. of circa with um, with Bobby Kimball from uh, from Toto, and I was using that, and and surprisingly enough, it was a very stable uh, um, equipment. But I went back to the. Uh, to the BK8. Uh, of course, you have to put it through uh, <clears throat> what I have is now the gizmo that I put it through. It's a ventilator. You probably uh, you probably heard about it. It is um, it's a, a little box that soups up the uh, the BK8 and makes it sound a little more crunchy than uh, than on its own. I see. I've also heard of. Um a uh, virtual Leslie, you know, like a little box. I mean, you know, so perhaps you're using one of those too. Yeah, we, yes, with the with the original B3 um, virtual Hammond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty pretty convincing actually. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes but I like the. I, yeah, no, I was gonna say, sometimes when you put the uh, the instrument in the context of the recording, sometimes that adds, adds realism to it as well. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I just find this setup, uh, which I actually used um, last year on the on the Yes 50th anniversary thing. Um, it it worked really well, and of course had to be portable, and uh, it sounded uh, sounded great. <laughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Hey, so um, so looking back, you know what what inspired you to get into music, and why did you choose piano? Whoa, complicated question. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you, you know, I started uh, very, very young, barely uh, out of a baby, um, because my my grandmother was a, a piano player. She was a concert, a uh, classical piano player, and. So you know, I was um, put on uh, on her knee while she uh, practiced, and I guess I got it from from her. Yeah, that would uh, that would inspire you to join join in, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's really how it started, and uh, taking classical piano lessons, and Mm -hmm. uh, gradually, you know, uh, entering competitions and. being a classical piano player. Mm-hmm. So, so you did start out like with a teacher. Like, was it a private teacher, or did you go to a school? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, private teacher for for years, and um, and you know many hours of um, to practice. And you you really have to find out how much you want to do it by the amount of practice that you have to do <laughs> for competition. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I have three brothers, um, you know, all fairly close and, uh, and they were all out doing, doing their thing, being, being crazy. And, uh, and I was at home having to, uh, practice. Mm-hmm. So, you find out whether you really want to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now it, it, and been, eventually, go ahead. Eventually, uh, eventually, uh, the, um, the the idea was that um, that you eventually go to the Royal School of Music, which uh, you know, which is the the whole end result of uh, of years of practice, but. Um, for some reason, I mean, it was probably uh, timing. Um, rock and roll kind of got in the way of that. Hmm. It was the beginning of. Uh, actually, it was n- not so much rock and roll. It was m- more. Uh, I don't know, rockabilly. In those days, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, Lonnie Donegan and. Uh, and I also played clarinet in a in a um, a jazz traditional jazz mm-hmm. uh, band. And uh, now, it's been said you were performing by the age of twelve. Um, you know, was that uh, on piano or maybe clarinet? Uh, mostly piano. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although I did join my brother's band, which was um, a, a skiffle group, and I played a, um, a stand-up bass. So That's interesting. And that was really. Yeah, that was the beginning of that. Never talked to the bass um, very well, though. Yeah, no, for for, for the listeners who uh, may not be familiar with that word, that was uh, skiffle band. 
skiffle music. Skiffle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't don't hear too many about much about skiffle bands these days, huh? <laughs> Not really. I think it was primarily an English thing, but it was um, it was uh, sort of rockabilly, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds it sounds fun. It sounds to me, you know. So, how did you get into organ? And did you did you start out with a Hammond or was with another type? Well, um, I started uh, when I was, I think, fifteen or sixteen. I uh, there was a um, a big band that that played around uh, where I lived, and it was a sixteen piece, you know, Basie and Ellington and. But basically a dance band, you know, we played those kind of uh, uh, big dance gigs and but played all the all the great, you know, big band 40s era music. And so that became a, a little bit of an inspiration and a passion for a while. Hmm. And but at the same time, we were playing um, pop songs of the day and um, that was the the beginning of uh, I, th- I think my initial rendition of Telstar was the beginning of it all hmm. um, I'm sure it was a, a big hit here too and um, and I for that song only <laughs> I, I, I bought a Vox Continental and that was the the organ of the day. The Dave mm. Clark Five had one, and uh, um, who else? Eric Burden, I think. The Animals they had uh, they had something. There was a, a Farfisa and a Box Continental, and I I went the Box Continental route, and that was that was the beginning of it. Now I've, I've also heard that uh, you were in a band that backed up Roy Orbison. Can you tell us about that? That was my actually my very first professional band, and um, they were sort of well known, pretty well known in in England, um, and they were they were sort of called a show band, in that, that there was playing pop music of the day, but within the band structure there was um, usually someone who was a comedian. Hmm who happened to be uh, the trumpet player in this band. And he was kind of goofy and uh, consequently it was called a show band. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, but it was the, uh, it was the beginning. And we, you know, we toured Europe, went to uh, Germany, did gigs over there, went to Turkey and played backup for, um, for different people. Um, and and then we got uh, to back uh, Roy Orbison on a on a on a tour. His I think first tour of England. That, so, that, that must have been fun. It it was yeah. It was um, everything that you expected you know to do. We'll be right back with Tony K. But check out these important words from the Rock Music Alliance and your chance to join and vote in the Rock Music Awards. It's time that Rock Music has its own awards, the RMA Awards, its own scholarships, charity events, and more. And only you can make it happen by joining the Rock Music Alliance and voting in the RMA Awards. 
You can join as either a musician, an industry professional, or if you just love rock music, you can join as a patron of rock. Everyone can join, and everyone gets to vote. Join the Rock Music Alliance. Go to rockmusicalliance.com. That's rockmusicalliance.com. I'm Tony Kay. Join the Rock Music Alliance. Another sampling of Early Yes with Tony Kay as we head back to our conversation. So how did you meet up with uh, Chris Squire and John Anderson? Well, I was playing. um, I eventually moved to London and um, started playing around the scene. A couple of bands, psychedelic bands and some Pink Floyd type bands and and uh, eventually started playing with uh, one of the uh, guitar players who, um, what was the band he played with? Uh, Steve Marriott's band. Hmm. The, uh, the Faces. Oh, The Faces. Yeah, that's a name. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I know the name. And uh, he... Uh, he told me his own band, and um, and I started, you know, really my London debut with uh, with with that band, and ended up at various rock and roll venues in in the West End of London. Uh, one of them called the Shass Club, which was next to the uh, uh, to the Marquee Club on, on Wardour Street. Mm-hmm. And it was the great gathering place for, you know, every musician that, you know, wanted to play the Marquee Club. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so we used to go there, hang out. It was a, a room about as big as your living room, you know. It was <laughs> no. <laughs> and packed with uh, packed with musicians that you uh, couldn't help but um, bump into and become yeah. friends. You know, over here, and that was. Yeah. I was say over here where, 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 where I live, so that would have been the rain tree. The, the equivalent was was the rain tree in Torrance. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Or or the rainbow in Hollywood. Rainbow in Except, Hollywood. Yeah. 
Uh, except that was bigger. Um, but yeah, all the musicians hung out there, and it was a it was a short distance to uh, the local pub, which was called the Ship, where all the musicians also hung out. Mm-hmm. But it was at the at the Shafts Club that I met uh, Chris and John. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it, it's pretty likely that they were aware of you at that point. They've probably seen you with the faces. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I, I really don't know whether they they were aware of um, of what any of us were doing. Although, mm-hmm. you know, Chris and and uh, Peter Banks. Um, and I guess the original drummer that we started rehearsing with, um, of course, had had a band together anyway. And that that really was the, uh, you know, the, the, the beginning of, of Yes. Yeah. And now at, at that moment, their group was called Mabel Greer's Toy Shop. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. 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 And uh, so, so they um, did they audition with you, or they just invited you into the band right away? Yeah, well, it was very casual. I, I, I seem to remember we were just hanging out together and talking and and saying, "Well, you know, let's rehearse." Yeah, yeah, very casual. Uh, yeah. yeah, and actually, we we the owner of the shafts and the and the guys who um, owned the marquee became friends, and and they kind of supported the band at the beginning. And um, after some rehearsal, we eventually um, played the marquee club, which was really the you know the top place to to play and was a, a big opening for us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So at this time that you're playing the Marquee Club, had they changed the name to Yes at that point? And how did that come about? Oh, yeah, yeah. The band had, had been re- renamed. P- Peter, the guitar player, had thought of, you know, a typical band thing, trying to come up with names. Um, I don't even remember my suggestion. Uh, it was that bad, but most of the names were bad. And actually, I was n- never that fond of Yes, right, uh, at the beginning. It was yeah. seemed like a strange name uh, for me. And, you know, it, uh, most bands were, would be something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've noticed, same thing, you know, like the very first time I heard of Yes, you know, it, to me it was just like, yeah, like, like, isn't there something more to it than that? You know, yes, yes, what you know, and uh, so yeah, it's definitely. Right. If, if you don't know the music behind the name, it sounds kind of strange, you know. But I've noticed, as I'm sure you have, the name of a band, it becomes the band. Like whatever the band is, it lends its power to the name. So, it, it's great if you exactly. Can, yeah, if you can com- can come up with a compelling name, that's great. But if if you don't. That can be okay too, because whatever you are as a band, uh, that your name will take on that characteristic. So, like, like right now, yeah, when people say yes, you know, they're thinking prog rock, close to the edge. They're thinking this this immense music. So that's 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 the power of it all. 
Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Exactly. But I thought that, um, you know, before they were well known, because I, I supported them on, a, on various occasions, that uh, Pink Floyd was the greatest name ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's an, it's, it's and, a compelling name, yeah. It's, it's like Pink Floyd. Yeah. Pink, what, what's this about, you know? It's compelling. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, when I, when I heard Pink Floyd music, yeah, like just like I was saying, then, you know, that heavy, big, brooding type of sound, you know, became encapsulated in their name. So now when you hear Pink Floyd, that's what you get. You know, you get that that heavy, big sound. It did, yes. And it, it, the connotation of, of their blues influence, too, was was in the name. It was part of it, was just like the Rolling Stones or, yeah. or, or the Who, you know, it... it 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 had that connotation of blues. Yes, surprisingly, um, it didn't have that connotation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, so it sounded like yes was essentially Peter's suggestion. Yes, it it it, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, he he thought of the name, and uh, I I seem to remember asking him, but why? <laughs> and uh, his his answer was, "Well, it is the most positive word in in the English language." So mm-hmm. that's terrific. That's a very uh, philo- you, philosophical point. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You couldn't knock that down, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, so during those first years with Yes, you're working with Peter on guitar. How did you guys get along? We were really good friends. I mean, the uh, I, I guess that the the change around came on a musical perspective from uh, from John. Uh, it was certainly um, a much sort of raunchier, rockier band back then. Even though we were doing. I, I guess the side of progressive uh, arrangements, um, but we weren't really doing original material. We're doing, you know, remakes of uh, of other songs, mm-hmm. hmm. and um, and it was a, a much sort of. And of course, Peter was a um, he was a pretty pretty raunchy guitar player, <laughs> uh, certainly com- compared to uh, Steve. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was doing that Hammond thing that, uh, and it seemed to it seemed to go together at that time. You know, it mm-hmm. obviously wasn't what John and Chris wanted, mm-hmm. and uh, it w- it was very sad to see uh, Peter go because um, you know we worked really well together. Yeah. Um, I was watching some of the earlier uh, videos that were, you know, filmed in Germany, at the Beat Club, and and it, it was pretty uh, pretty amazing um, what we were doing back then. Yeah, it is, and you guys, you did sound good together, you know, in those early recordings I've heard. You know, there's definitely a synergy going on. Uh, with with you guys, I would say you know progressive rock fans and musicians have said in in more recent years that Peter is an undercredited, unsung hero of progressive rock, and that he really provided the blueprint 
for the progressive rock guitar right. player. Yeah, I was just it's, gonna. It's funny how history um, uh, seems to um, make a, di- a difference to the way that um, <laughs> people are thought of. Yeah, yeah. Hindsight, you know, and hindsight, um, you know, as they say, is twenty twenty. But you have the you have the knowledge, you know, that comes with the years. So. From from our perspective, yeah. we, we look back in time at those those days, and, and you have you know you, you can see where people really contributed uh, at the time. But uh, was he? He was underrated. Yeah, definitely underrated yeah. Um, guitar player. Of course, very influenced um, by uh, Pete Townsend. Hmm. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I can see that. And, yeah, and there was a lot of a lot of Pete in him, uh, and the craziness too. You know, the on stage craziness, which uh, <laughs> was not particularly yes like. But what became? <laughs> what he, became yes like? Did he have an urge to smash his guitars? <laughs> Always doing it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially the low low ceilings in clubs on club stages. <laughs> so, um, was Peter a much different guitar player than the other guitar players of of the day? Did you notice a difference with him? Of guitar players in other bands? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was um, he was he was unpredictable. Hmm. You, you didn't really know what uh, what he was going to do a lot of the time, um, which was probably one of the things that was, uh, you know, yes, generally um, was very stuck in, you know, what had been created. And a lot of bands... Um, I think have much more free reign mm-hmm. within the, uh, the 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 context of the songs. Yeah, um, Pink Floyd being a, a, a the Who being a good example, or the Stones. I mean, all bands that uh, that I used to go to listen to a lot at the time. Um, they were they were not predictable. Yes. John and Chris like to stay, you know, hmm. with, with within what had been recorded. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So Peter was a little, little unpredictable in that that respect, which was great for me because I, I was a little like that too. And you know, we t- tended to work off each other. Right. Right. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah. So when Peter died in 2013, how did you hear about it and how did it hit you? It's always surprising and always sad. And, um, and you know, we kept in touch over the years, although, you know, during his, his final years, um, I think he tended to be a, a little bit of a recluse. Um, I didn't really, I think the last time, I saw him was on the Union tour uh, in Los Angeles, you know, which was early 90s. And I think I saw him once um, at a Yes convention after that, but Mm -hmm. didn't really keep in touch, um, you know, very closely. And I think, you know, he he became a little reclusive. 
but it, it it was a shock, you know. Yeah, I can imagine. Kind of the uh, first one of your, you know, of your your bandmates you know, passing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're never you're never prepared for it, and and something definitely goes. You know, it's uh, it disappears when a, a, a member of the band, a musician, is no longer there. Mm-hmm. It, was just, it was the same thing with Chris. Yeah, yeah. Because you are you are like a family. Yeah, after. Um, so many years of being together. Although with Peter, it was it was a, a fairly short amount of time, but still, yeah. Well, I've I found even even a short amount of time, but but you guys you guys achieved something great during that time. So I found that musicians I've worked with, even if it was for a short time, you still have a bond. You know, because you oftentimes have gone through some right. some ordeal together as a band. You know, whether it's whether it's gigging or whether it's you know putting a new music together, it uh, it leaves right. a, a deep impression on you. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a lot of memories and uh, and a, a lot of history and a, a lot of a lot of stories and uh, it's it's always a shock. Yeah. So I want to mention for the listeners uh, that Peter has a posthumous release right now with uh, David Cross called Crossover and under the artist name of David Cross and Peter Banks. And Tony, you're a guest player on it. How many tracks are you on and uh, what's the style like? Uh, You know, I I haven't heard it. And um, I did actually get on the computer today to find out what <laughs> what I actually played. Find out how it came out. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's it's very good. Obviously it's it's taken from um, ideas and ramblings of, uh, of of original sort of Peter ideas. And um, I I think what uh, uh, David Cross has done is just really good. Thinking back to Peter's last album with Yes, Time and a Word, what was it like to put that music together, the, the music of Time and a Word and the Yes album? Just was it difficult or did it flow very quickly from you guys? You know, was it was it fun or was it a challenge? Well, you know, the the band was sort of pretty established, but um, uh, but new and. Um, I don't think anyone really thought about very carefully about what we were doing. You kind of just did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds it sounds like fun, you know, really. Yeah, yeah, and and it it was it, it was uh, it was a fun time, and it got a little more serious uh, later. I can't ex- exactly say the fun stopped when Peter left, but it it certainly changed. Yeah. And um, you know, uh, I originally saw Steve. I r- recommended Steve. Um, I saw um, Steve Howe was playing in a, in a band at the Speakeasy in London, and um, and I. And he was playing you know, pretty much straight out rock at that point. And I thought, huh, probably 
a really good replacement for uh, for Peter. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Rocket player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and, um, and really he was. I mean, uh, if if because if you listen to, to the style of guitar playing that Peter was and what you know Steve Howe is doing, it's there's really quite quite similar. I mean, you know, Steve's taking it to another level, but there's they really were in my mind they were actually a very a very good match at at that moment in time. They were. They were, and uh, and of course, uh, Steve progressed so you know so much and yeah. so quickly too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, a- after so with Steve Howe in the band, it's uh, it's been well documented that there were some mounting pressures between you and Steve as 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 things progressed and as, as he progressed as a guitar player, and uh, which ultimately led to your departure from them. In, in 1971, and that was happening around the rehearsals for Fragile. So I was just kind of wondering about that. Like, how did, uh, you know, was it hard to let go of that moment and walk away from it all? Or what was what was happening at that moment? Well, we, you know, we were, uh, Steve and I were really good friends. And um, we, he actually phoned me a couple of weeks ago and, and, and said, you know, I hope you don't mind. I got this um, autobiography coming out soon, and I kind of got into when we used to take drugs and 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 play and drive around the countryside and uh, with my guitar, and that's how you know we came up with uh, yours is no disgrace, seeing all good people. Um, I hope you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a tell-all, and I'm going to tell everyone all what we did. <laughs> I said, well, obviously the book's out next week, so I, I don't think I have much of a, you know, not much of a choice. Yeah, you can't really tell them. Don't take that part out. You know? <laughs> yeah, but but that's uh, that's really, you know, our, our memory, um, my memory of, uh, about the... Uh, the recording of the uh, the Yes album. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Steve, Steve and I tooling around the countryside on acid. <laughs> pretty, <laughs> it was uh, pretty cool. That's that's interesting for sure, man. <laughs> that's all the time we have for today's episode. Look for part two of my interview with Tony Kay, where we talk about his time with Badger, Badfinger, David Bowie, and his return to Yes. Visit thimbleslide.com for the guitar slide that frees your finger. It allows you to slide and fret while wearing it. And visit rockmusicalliance.com and join the Rock Music Alliance so you can vote in the RMA Awards. For the Rock Music Alliance, I'm Cole Coleman. Be well, stay well, and join the Rock Music Alliance.